Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to the Aaron Chamberlain Show. Today is Thursday, September 22nd, and I'm your host, Erin Shamerlick, holistic nutritionist, coming to you live from Nashville. You can visit my website at getsbetterwellness.com. I have a great show for you today. Uh, For many of you listening, you might have seen my post about today's show. Um, If you're suffering from conditions like infertility, depression, anxiety, or maybe you have some uh, strange lab test like a high homocysteine, then we're going to, you know, talk about things that maybe have been puzzling um, regarding your health problems. And this show is called Could It Be MTHFR, which is not a swear word, but a big acronym that um, our guests will, you know, enlighten us about. So, uh, today, I have a special guest with me, Dr. Amy Newsell. Welcome, Dr. Amy. Thanks so much, Erin. Thanks for having me. Just uh, real quickly, Dr. Amy is um, a naturopathic doctor, and she currently is only accepting Skype and telephone appointments, so uh, jot her website down because you'll probably want to plug into all the information that is on her website and possibly you'll want to talk with her. It's DrAmyNewzel.com, D-R-A-M-Y-N-E-U-Z-I-L.com. So, Dr. Amy, we have to start at the beginning because we've never talked about this topic, MTHFR. And if you um, want to just, you know, enlighten us, well, I'll have a few questions along the way, and I do have some um, questions from listeners coming in as well. Great. Well, you know, I'll I'll start talking and just interrupt me anytime because this is a big subject for me. Um, so MTHFR is actually a genetic mutation. It stands for methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase, which nobody needs to know. Um, but just remember MTHFR. And what this means is if you have the mutation or one of the forms of this mutation, then your body has a difficult time converting folic acid, which we're, you know, we get in vitamins, we get in uh, bread flours, they add it to fortified cereals, things like that. Um, It has a hard time converting that folic acid into its active form, which is 5-L-methyl tetrahydrofolate or 5-L-MTHF. Um, And so that sounds like a whole lot of gibberish, right? I mean, it doesn't sound like anything important, but the problem is that all of the things that your body needs to do with that active folate then become really difficult. And some of the things that we do with folate are really important, right? And so um, some examples, right? When you're pregnant, 
if your baby has a folate deficiency or if you don't have enough folate, then that can lead to pregnancy loss or miscarriage. It can lead to difficulty conceiving. And in the worst case, it can lead to, you know, babies that have serious problems like spina bifida. And that's not something that anybody wants, right? Um, and it's a nutritional deficiency, but it's a nutritional deficiency because of your genes. So it's not necessarily dietary. It's because you just don't convert that to the active form very effectively. Um, it's also really, really highly involved in neurotransmitter formation, which gives us some of the biggest consequences of the MTHFR mutation. And those are depression, anxiety, insomnia, things like that, because we just don't build neurotransmitters the same way. Um, and you may notice that sometimes I say we, and that's simply because I am an MTHFR mutant. So there are two genes, and of each gene, we get one copy from each parent, one from mom and one from dad, right? And on my genes, I have one bad copy and one good copy of each gene. So I'm also an MTHFR mutant. So this is a definitely a subject near and dear to my heart, right? And And, you know, working with this and actually solving these problems has really been very impactful in my life. And so it's something that I really want to share with people, and I really want people to start to understand and start to be able to address themselves. Um, the best part about this is you don't necessarily need a doctor to fix this, right? You can, you can work on this at home. Um, there are foods that are high in the active forms of folate. They're more usable for MTHFR mutants. Um, there are actually supplements that give you the active forms of folate. And so it's really, it's something that if you suspect an MTHFR mutation, you can start to address this on your own. You can start to actually improve your health at home, right? Which is uh, my ideal, right? We all should be at the bottom line in our own health care. And so if there's something that you can do as opposed to having a doctor do for you or waiting for a prescription or whatever, um, then it really, you know, that's very meaningful. That's very impactful. Um, the, the, you know, the interesting thing about this mutation is that a lot of doctors don't yet know about it. Um, so the research is really starting to emerge now, and it's specialists often will know about it. So fertility specialists or um, some psychiatrists or uh, even some cardiologists, because there's also links to cardiac inflammation and the high homocysteine. Um, so some of those doctors will know about it, but you know, your average run-of-the-mill general practitioner just doesn't really have a whole lot of exposure to this subject. And so, you know, it's not necessarily that they're, you know, that they haven't explored this avenue for you because they're negligent. They just may not know. And it's not standard of care yet to test. And so a lot of people with depression, a lot of people with anxiety, a lot of people with, you know, repeat pregnancy loss or um, cardiac inflammation that's unexplicable just haven't been tested. You know, they just don't know. And so this is definitely something to look for. Now, if you're not sure whether or not this might apply to you, there are some really good things to look out for, um, especially in your family tree, because again, this is genetic. So it's passed down from your ancestors. That's your parents, your grandparents, all of the people directly in your line of descent. And so if you look through those people, um, and also to siblings and, and people like that, because they share a lot of genetics with you. And you see, you know, several points of depression or insomnia or um, addictions like alcoholism, 
um, if there's suicides in the family, if there's repeat uh, pregnancy loss. So if there's been a lot of trouble with infertility or um, mom had to do fertility treatments and um, grandma had a really hard time conceiving or something like that. Like if you see some of these repeating threads, then it might be a decent idea to get tested. But also if you've had a lifelong history, you know, for people who've had depression or anxiety or insomnia since childhood, that raises a little bit more of a red flag that there's actually something physiological going on. It's not a mood, so to speak. It's actually a state right. of health, right? There's an issue. Um, and so this that's, is, a, um, that's an pretty exciting time. information. I, I'm sorry. This is exciting information for a lot of people who are just suffering and, and not getting answers. Now you said that um, it's, you know, we don't need a doctor to fix it. And we can use food and supplements. But the question I have at this point is how prevalent is it if people are experiencing multiple miscarriages, um, have had this lifelong history of depression, anxiety, insomnia? You know, is this like a wild hair idea or is this something that we should pay attention to? You know, it's actually not a wild hair idea. Um, we're finding out, and the research, you know, we research small populations, so it's difficult to get a picture of how much of the global population is actually dealing with this. But when you're, you know, doing a comparative study, say, of, you know, 100 normal Caucasians or whatever, we're finding that 10 to 15% have some form of the MTHFR mutation. Now, if you only have one bad copy out of those four, you may not actually have any of the symptoms or any of the signs. Um, but if you've got two or three bad copies, well, then that starts to show up, right? And it depends on other, other parts of your genetics, your lifestyle, the way you take care of yourself as well. And so, you know, of, the, of that 10 to 15%, maybe really only 5% are having serious issues with it. But if you're already having serious issues, well, then it's definitely worth it to get tested, right? Does that make sense? Right. Yes, and since you brought testing up, I know people will want to know uh, since their doctor, you know, but this wasn't like medical school stuff. This is kind of new information, even though it is fairly prevalent. A lot of the doctors may not have been taught about the MTHFR mutation, and they will never test their patients. So what what do you suggest? I know some testing can right. be done at at home because I've done like the 23andMe, but that requires some data manipulation. So what do you recommend for your patients? I actually do recommend 23andMe. It's an online genetic service, right? So you send in a cheek swab and they do the analysis. Their accuracy is state-of-the-art. I mean, they use incredible technology, and so it's, it's as accurate as anything you would get from a doctor's office, and that information is all publicly available and the studies of, on accuracy that they've done. So it's very, very accurate. Um, the problem is we end up paying out of pocket, right? But the thing is, your doctor most of the time can't in order this on insurance anyway because insurance will only cover it for a very, very rare incidences, and usually that's multiple pregnancy loss. Um, 
And so, you know, 90% of the time, people are paying out of pocket for this anyway. Um, the neat thing, too, about 23andMe is you get all sorts of genetic information. You get information on how your body responds to different medications and drugs and things like that. Um, and with the MTHFR mutation, there are differences in the way we respond to some medications, um, especially chemotherapy medications and also um, antidepressants, you know, so things like serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Prozac. Um, you know, MTHFR folks just have a little bit harder time with those. And what, so, what do you mean? Can you expand on that? Because I do know some people who have MTHFR and have been yeah. on the um, SSRI, you know, depression drugs, and what what would they experience? Well, so the interesting thing about an SSRI, the way it works is that the serotonin that your body makes broken down in the receptor, right? And so you only get to use it for a short time. An SSRI prevents that breakdown, and so it actually gives you more use out of your own serotonin. Does that make sense so far? Yep, yep, right. Um, okay, so you get more use out of your own serotonin, but it doesn't actually help you to build any more serotonin. It's just whatever's there is more effective. Well, the problem with MTHFR is that there might not be very much there, right? Because we have trouble building those neurotransmitters. And so if there's not much there, then you're not going to get the same response out of those drugs. You'll still get the side effects. You just won't get the beneficial effects. <laughs> and oh, so it's no. a little bit frustrating. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit frustrating. And people end up on these sort of accelerating cascades where they're getting up into really high doses of these SSRIs, but just not seeing the results because they don't have the serotonin there to, to make the SSRI effective. Wow. Does that make that's sense? Powerful. That, yeah. It is. Yeah. There, yeah. There's so many people who cannot get off their drugs because <laughs> their doses are so high. And when they try to come down, they have problems. But Absolutely. now we know, go check your MTHFR. So, for those of you who didn't catch the uh, way we're recommending testing, uh, go to the website 23, as in the number two and the number three, A N D me.com, 23andme.com, it's $199, used to be cheaper, <laughs> but, but um, <laughs> then what do you do with the data? Because you don't get an answer that says, yes, you have it. You have to download the data, right. don't you? Okay. Well, so you can do it two ways. 23andme has a search function where you can actually search for MTHFR, and it'll come up with two results because they test it in the cardiac section. Um, so you can kind of find it, but it doesn't, it doesn't put it together in any really clear way for you. Um, what I generally recommend is going to geneticgenie.org. Um, they have a donation processor, right? So they'll take the information from 23andMe and put it through a processor and give you a report about methylation, right? And you're looking for the methylation report. Um, and then they ask for, I think, a $10 donation or a $15 donation, something really reasonable. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, and from that report, you get not only the MTHFR genes, but also a lot of genes that are associated that link into pathways that are related to MTHFR. Okay. 
So let me go back. You said um, one of the things that you might see in your family tree besides depression and insomnia would be alcoholism. Um, what's the connection there? What, how do people with MTHFR uh, defect handle alcohol compared to the other part of the population? So, yeah, we tend to not process alcohol tremendously well. We have a little bit lower tolerance. Um, But also there's a little bit more addictive potential because addictions really are self-medication, right? Like people who are addicted to something are usually looking to fix some problem that exists already. It's It's not something that happens, you know, like a normal healthy person suddenly becomes addicted to a substance because why? No, it's not actually that. It's it's that somebody is trying to fix a problem that's already existing, right? They're trying to medicate something on their own. And they may not use those words and usually don't, but at at its pretty basic level, if you don't fix that underlying problem, the addiction doesn't go away. Um, And so with MTHFR, there is an underlying problem, right? Those neurotransmitters are not available. And so people look for things to make themselves feel better, feel normal, feel happy, feel joyful, feel whatever even if it's only temporary. Perfect sense. So then um, if a person has the genetic defect, um, should they not drink alcohol or can they have wine? <laughs> I would say alcohol, but in moderation, right? Really start to be aware that your body may not have the capacity for this, right? And so alcohol in moderation for most people is reasonably healthy, right? It has health benefits even outside of red wine, right? All alcohol has some health benefits in terms of circulation, mood, things like that. But outside of moderation, it becomes very, very detrimental for everybody. And so with an MTHFR mutation, the window of moderation might be a little bit smaller. We don't have that leeway to say, well, tonight it's going to be three glasses of wine because it's social and it's a party. Yeah, three glasses of wine, you're probably going to feel it differently than somebody else would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, I have another question. Do we need to be, um, if we have the genetic detox, <laughs> defect, do we need to be detoxing or doing anything special because that's part of the equation is that you're not getting rid of um, right. toxins like you should? So the quick answer is in an ideal world, everybody would detox. Um, The slightly longer answer (laughs) is that it's actually not very simple. With MTHFR mutation, what's going to cause a nice detox reaction is actually getting the levels of that methylfolate up, right, And, and giving your body the nutrients that it needs because that's the missing link. And so, yes, there should be detox, but you probably, if you've had MTHFR mutation, say, for 30 years and not known it, there's going to be a bit of a mountain of toxins in there that need to be detoxed. And so it's not the type of thing where you can rush out and say, well, I'm going to take 2,000 milligrams of 5-L-MTHF and be just fine, right? I'll detox and it'll be all great. You'll probably feel like you've been kicked in the gut, you know, because that whole mountain of toxins tries to come flooding out and that feels bad. Um, so it, you have to kind of proceed with caution, Right. The, the end goal is that we want good methylfolate status. We want to have enough of that nutrient. 
But getting it in there has to be kind of a slow, steady process because if you flood your system, it usually feels pretty scary, honestly. Okay, so you mentioned um, supplementation. So you cannot just go out and take uh, your cheap B vitamins from Walmart. That's not going to cut it. It's a certain type of folate. Um, which you mentioned is what five L five MTHF, and you have to see that on the label. But you also need a lot more than the average person. So, can you talk about supplementation? How you slowly add yes. it, and what numbers you start with? Thanks. Yeah. So, starting supplementation is very individual. Um, the more bad copies of the MTHFR gene you have, the slower you should start. Right, and so. People look at me kind of crazy when I'm talking about this because, you know, the average, the uh, RDA for folic acid is 400 IUs per day. And if you're pregnant, it goes up to 800. Um, If you're starting supplementation with MTHFR, most people will start around 400 thinking that that's probably okay. I would actually recommend against that because even though it's a reasonably small amount, um, if you've not really had a whole lot of the active form of folate in your life, then it feels like a flood, right? Like it's just, it's too much. It's drinking from the fire hose. So try to start, you know, even with 200 IUs, if you can find it. The problem is a lot of supplements go for big bang, right? And so the supplement itself will have a thousand milligrams of, of, or micrograms of 5L MTHF. Well, that's kind of a lot, right? It's, It's a little bit difficult. So I think it's really important to find a system that works for you. A lot of my clients, I'll have them, you know, cut tablets if it's in a tablet form or, you know, take some of the powder out of capsules and start really, truly with low doses because if, if you really flood your system, it feels um, not good. It's a little bit different for everybody. For some people, it's like falling in a black hole of depression. For some people, it's like, being over-caffeinated, you know, that jittery, hyper kind of feeling. Um, and then for some people, it's just sort of anxious, uncomfortable, itchy, not right. Um, and so, okay. you know, it, that's not easy. That's not easy to go through. And a lot of people will try it and then give up because they don't want to feel like that. Well, that makes sense. Hmm. Um, so hmm. it's important to really start slow and work your way up. Um the way there's no great way to predict what the best dose for each individual is. So, and it's easy to overdose too, right? If you overdo the methylfolate at some point, then you also get that weird, itchy, anxious, wound up or black hole depression feeling. Um, And so, you know, again, dosing is really important here. Start low, very slowly work your way up, right? Like be on the same dose for a week before you change it so that you really notice when something is changing and when it's too much for your body. Um, what this means is it's a long process, right? And I've been taking 5L MTHF for probably, oh gosh, four or five years now. Um, and I feel like it really took about a year and a half for me to see the full effect of, of what was happening, right? Because that's sort of when that mountain of detoxification work started to dwindle in my body. And so, um, you know, really it's a, it's a long, slow process. And if you've got a genetic defect, you've got it for life. And so this is something that you're probably always going to have to be mindful of, always going to have to supplement. 
Right. And then um, for the listeners, on my website, I have two or three sources for you with the B um, vitamins that are the L5 um, methyl tetrahydrofolate form. Now, the active B complex has 400 micrograms, so you'll want to open that capsule up and and just take half in the beginning, and then the next week you could take the whole capsule. And then as you work up, I have um, higher doses, too, of um, one milligram, which is, you know, a 1,000. So you'll use the capsule and slowly, you know, one capsule and one and a half, then two. And and then um, you may need as much as, you know, five milligrams and so don't be alarmed so you just need to um, check out my website getsbetterwellness.com I don't sell directly but I do link to products that I like so you'll be able to find good um, B vitamins in uh, my shop there so Dr. Amy um, with the few minutes we have left I did have um, another question about um, you know, the, the pregnancy and, and uh, you know, the, the, the listener has had two, you know, successful healthy pregnancies followed by two miscarriages and was then um, discovered that she had the MTHFR genetic defect and started, you know, the supplementation and she's pregnant again, but she wants to know now, you know, what what do I do to maintain this pregnancy now that I have this information? Absolutely. Yep. So the ideal situation is this one where she's already started supplementation before the pregnancy. Um, it's very difficult to start the supplementation during a pregnancy because then your body's trying to go through that detox while you're pregnant, which is not easy. It's not an easy process, right? And so um, and so it's, it's perfect if she started it beforehand. If uh, another listener gets into a situation where they have not already started the supplementation, where they actually learn that they're MTHFR while they're pregnant, then it is important to start the supplementation the same way, um, but just be a lot slower about moving up in dosage. Um, some of the infertility specialists, too, will just give a massive dose of the folic acid, so, you know, instead of the one milligram that might be typical uh, in a normal pregnancy, they'll give, say, five to ten milligrams of the folic acid, assuming that if you flood the system, then enough of it will convert. And that actually is reasonably effective. It's just hard on the woman because, it, you know, it increases morning sickness and things like that. Um, but when you're taking the MTHFR, it's important to really, really be consistent about the MTHFR. And also, I think during the pregnancy, additional fish oils, just to reduce any possible inflammation, can be very supportive um, and extra water, too. Because, again, if you've started the supplementation reasonably recently, there is going to be a detox process. And so we want, we want those toxins to have every opportunity to flush out of the body instead of affecting the fetus. Okay, good. So um, fish oil, cod liver oil, what um, dosage do you aim for? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends very much on the person and their health history. If they've been typically healthy and haven't had a whole lot of problems, then, you know, I'd say maybe a 2,000 milligram fish oil and then an additional DHA for baby's brain development. Um, if they have had 
inflammatory problems, which a lot of people with MTHFR do, um, then a higher dose, maybe a 4,000, and then the additional DHA as well. Okay. Um, and then is there any connection to uh, thyroid problems and increased reverse T3 if you have MTHFR, or is that just unrelated in your experience? You know, I've seen a lot of coincidental overlap um, in thyroid problems and MTHFR, but it's really hard to say why, right? Like what's the chicken and what's the egg here? Or are they just that that person has a lot of inflammation and so it's, it's you know, coming out of their body entirely, right? It's, it's sort of having a toll on their entire body and so there's, there's going to be more associated conditions. Um, or is it a direct link? I honestly don't know. I haven't seen the research, so hard to say. Yeah. I don't know either, but I know um, before, you know, I was a nutritionist. I was the standard American taking birth control for like 20 years, and it conked out my B vitamins and conked out my thyroid. So I know there's a, a connection, yeah. but I don't know which B vitamins. Well, and birth control and MTHFR folk don't get along tremendously well because our B vitamins are a little less stable anyway, right? Like we've got a nutritional deficiency there anyway. So if you take birth control on top of that, well, they just tank, right? And so with MTHFR folk, you'll see a lot more depression with birth control, uh, mood swings, mood changes, uh, just basic intolerance to the birth control pills. Yeah, I have a lot of information now. I wish I had <laughs> 20 or 30 I know, years ago. I know. But, you know, it, it all happens for a reason. I feel like, you know, God gives us things and then we can get better and help as many people as possible, which I know that's your story. That's why you're so passionate about MTHFR. And that's my story. I'm, I'm so passionate about hypothyroidism and, you know, food intolerances. So I just, you know, like you, want to educate people. So let me um, point our listeners back to your website, which is, um, Dr. Amy, uh, N E N E U Z I L, correct? N E U Z I L dot com. And my website is getbetterwellness.com. Thank you, Dr. Amy. We really enjoyed having you on the show. Oh, Erin, it's been such a pleasure and uh, anytime. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Okay, thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.